Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know many of you have plans. I find it a great honor uh, that you come on out tonight to spend a little bit of time with us, uh, celebrating really, truly the reason for this Advent uh, season as we worship Jesus Christ. Um, I hope you brought a Bible. If you didn't, you know, there's, maybe there's an app you have, or if you, know, if you raise your hand, someone will track one down for you, I'm sure. Uh, uh, you're going to want to be in the text with us, uh, because what we do here at Christian Fellowship Church is we talk about what the Bible has to say. So I'm not sure if uh, someone wants to grab a couple of the Bibles and then offer that. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll, you know, just raise your hand, and we'll, we'll bring it to you. We'll bring it to you. Um, but let me pray, because I want the Lord to uh, do His thing tonight, speak to us tonight. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll get started. Father, as we uh, begin in just a moment here, we want to open Your Word to see what You have to say. Uh, we pray that as we are excited about the various plans we might have that uh, revolve around maybe traveling, going to places even tonight, having people over, opening gifts and celebrating with food and, and all kinds of ways that we uh, celebrate Christmas. Father, we, we pray that the ultimate way that we celebrate is to look into your word. Uh, so as we open uh, our Bibles tonight, we pray that you would speak to us, Lord, allow us to leave here with a clear understanding of what Christmas is about. Help me to get out of the way, my lack of clarity, my weakness, my fragility, and we pray that you would speak through this weak vessel tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I, I see some Bibles going around. Uh, so we want to make sure you have one. So some hands up here in the front. Hopefully we've, we've got enough. I think there's some more in the back. So when you see him pop back out, just lift your hand up and we'll... We've got some more in the back here. Ben, up here in the front, I think. Um, too important to skip. I just don't want you to just come and hear me tonight. I'm, I'm nothing. Um, but we're going to be in Psalm 87. Psalm 87, so if you're not familiar with the Bible, it's your first time or it's been a long time, if you crack the Bible open kind of in the middle, sort of in the middle, you see a book of Psalms that has 150 chapters in it. We're going to be in number 87. It's really a hymn book, a song book of ancient Israel. Uh, and if you think of Psalms as songs, you kind of make sense of the fact that there's poetry there are lyrics to songs. We don't have the music. We don't have the notes anymore, but we do have the words. So we're going to be in Psalm. It's kind of in the middle of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And then Psalm 87. And some of you will find it and go, whew, only seven verses. Praise the Lord. You're already praising the Lord because it's not as long. It's tricky sometimes. The small, small ones, we're going to be all right. Psalm 87. And as you're finding your way there, uh, there, there are some concepts that are sometimes lost on us. We read ancient texts like this, really, really old texts like this, and some concepts are kind of lost on us because we're not used to it. For this psalm to make sense, and, and this psalm isn't really preached very often because it's, it's uh, some people find it difficult maybe to grasp. It's, it has a weird concept in it, but that concept revolves around where you're from, where you're from being important. So we're, we're sometimes so independently minded, we're like, it doesn't matter where I'm from, it's where I'm at. It doesn't matter what's behind me, it's where I'm going. Yeah, yeah, but throughout the history of the world, one of the biggest questions you can answer is where are you from, right? And you don't have to go that far back. When I was growing up, where I went to school, if you're walking down the street and a couple dudes walk up to you and like, where are you from? 
They're sizing you up immediately. The way you answer that question is going to determine whether you're getting mugged or they back away. Kid you not. Where are you from? What street? What city? Right? Your birth certificate, right? Your passport has got not your favorite city, not the bandwagon team that you're following this year. Where are you born? Right? Now, I've been in Chicago for over 20 years. Sometimes people find out I'm a, I'm a diehard Red Sox fan, Boston Red Sox fan. And sometimes I get the question, Red Sox? Man, you're just following them because of all the recent championships. Y'all know about all the recent championships, right? <laughs> I'm just making sure. Um, when I say, well, I was born there, immediately, oh, well, no further questions asked. Not, it doesn't matter, you know, uh, how close was I to Boston or did I follow them when I was a little kid? Did my parents watch them? It doesn't matter. As soon as I say I was born in Lawrence, Massachusetts, you have every right to be a Red Sox man. The, the conversation's over immediately, right, because of where you're from. Now, if I started saying, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, then maybe there's a little bit of, you know, debate there. How long have I been there? My wife is still trying to proselytize me to the Cubs. She's like, you've been here a long time. What do I return to? Where I was born, right? Where I was born. And the reason why that's so important uh, is because the difficulty with this psalm is this psalm is teaching if you're going to be in God's good graces, you have to be born in a certain place. And the reason why that's so difficult is because you can't control where you're from. You're either just from someplace or you're not. You can't, I, can't, I didn't choose to be born in Lawrence, Massachusetts. I didn't choose to be born there. I just was born there. And I can't change it without lying. But what this psalm is teaching is, unless you're born in a certain place, you can't be in God's good graces. Because there's only one place where God is giving blessing. Now, some of us are like, huh, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I know. Like I said, Psalm 87 doesn't get a lot of airtime. And that's probably why it's kind of strange. And it's frustrating, right? We want to we claim where we're from, but we might not actually. Actually, when I first got to Chicago, I, I came to Chicago uh, to attend Moody Bible Institute. And uh, I had two friends there. I didn't only have two friends Sometimes it felt like I only had two friends, but there were at least two friends. Um, and one of them was born and raised in Chicago, and the other one would say he's born and raised in Chicago. But when you press, you find out he's from Hammond, Indiana. And he would get so mad when my other friends would be like, oh, man, you are not from Chicago. He's like, same thing. Like, no, nah, man, you're from Indiana. He would get mad. He wanted to be from Chicago so bad. But he can't change it. And when he's found out, He's found out. That's it. Now, as you read Psalm 87, it starts with this glorious city that you have to be from. The reason why it's so glorious is because that's where God is. Check out just the first three verses. On the holy mount stands the city he founded, the city that God founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you are spoken, O city of God. Okay, so let's just clarify a couple things here, all right? Uh, Zion is another name for Jerusalem, Jerusalem in Israel, okay? We're not, we're not sure how it got that name, just like a lot of people aren't sure how Chicago got called the Windy City. Is it actual wind? Is it politicians blowing hot air? Whatever, but if you say Windy City, you know you're talking about Chicago. Somebody says the Big Apple. I don't even know what apples have to do with New York, honestly, but the Big Apple is New York, right? And so cities have aliases, right? other names that they go by. 
And when scripture talks about Zion, it's talking about Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, it was on an elevation, but it wasn't called God's mountain because it was the biggest mountain in the area. It wasn't because of its elevation that it was the best place to be. Why is it the best place to be? Because not that it's a mount, look at verse 1, it's a holy mount. It's a holy hill. Oftentimes in scripture, it's referred to as a holy hill, a holy mountain. It's not the mountainous uh, nature of the place that makes it awesome. It's the fact that it's holy. And it's holy because that's where God is. That's where God dwelled. That's where God was present, right? So if you're from some other place, you're from a place where God is not. And if you're from Zion, you're from a place where God is. And the way they viewed it was you were in a glorious place. You were blessed if you were born in Zion, But if you weren't born in Zion, you were estranged from God. You were an alien, a foreigner, an outsider from God. And that's why this place is so awesome. Why? Because there's a general love that God has for everybody, but he set an electing specific kind of love on this city. Look at verse 2. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. It's not like, wow, those gates are so cool. He loves it because he set his love on it. He decided this is going to be the place I'm going to dwell, Psalm 132. I choose this place to be. This is going to be my presence. Now, let's take a little time out and just go back down memory lane real quick, okay? You remember that in the beginning, Genesis opens up. In the beginning, there was this, apparently, this ball of water, right? It was empty. It was void. There's an expanse. And out of the water, God called order, He brought land out, he brought vegetation, he created animals, then he created man to rule over the animals, right? And God walked with man there. Man walked with God in the garden until sin entered. And then what happened? Man was cast out of the garden, meaning this is my sacred place. I created you to be in relationship with me. I created you to enjoy me. I am the source of life, joy, peace, happiness, all the catch words, the things that we have hanging from our wreaths, right? Peace, love, right? Hope. These are the things that we celebrate at Christmas time. And then we celebrate it because that's, that's what God is. He is love, and he's a source of hope, and he's a source of joy. He's a source of peace. There was nothing wrong with this dwelling with God, walking with God in the garden, until man rebelled, and they lost sacred presence. Until when? Let's fast forward a little bit. You remember the story of Moses, and uh, Moses uh, got, uh, God used Moses to get Israel out of Egypt, and then they're in the middle of the wilderness, and God says, I'm, I'm going to set up camp here in the midst of you. I'm going to dwell here in, in a tent, and y'all are going to surround me, and as long as I'm with you, no army is going to defeat you, Pharaoh can't come back and get you, right? He was swallowed up in the sea. Nations are going to just have to move out of your way. Why? Because I'm with you, period. That's it. Not because you're strong, not because you have the right weapons, not because you have the right ethnic makeup, the genetic makeup, you guys are a bunch of Olympians. No, no, no. Because I dwell with you. I'm reestablishing a connection with a particular group of people in a particular place. Now, Jerusalem ended up being the place where it wasn't a tent, but a temple, right? A temple And when you look at the plans, the architectural drawings, if you will, in the Old Testament of what the temple looked like, it's patterned on the garden, right? The lampstand in the middle is the tree of life, and they they use palm trees and the the stones and the, the foliage, the design, the format, the function was all echoing back to the garden, which was God saying, 
I'm going to walk with man again by picking a place to dwell, and I'm going to dwell here in this place in the temple. And the temple was in Zion. Now, there's a lot of things we might, you might love about the city you're from. You might love Chicago for its food or the hard work ethic or the sports teams, any number of reasons why you love Lake Michigan, any number of reasons why, but this was not that. Being from Zion was about being in a good relationship with God. It wasn't about food or culture. That's why it was so important. And it says that it's a holy place, verse 1. It's a holy mount. Why is it holy? Because God made it holy. He's the one that founded the city in verse 1. And he loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. So even within Israel, this place is special because he doesn't just dwell anywhere. He dwells there. And that's why it's glorious, verse 3. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Now here's the good news. And here's where it gets kind of strange. No matter where you were born, you can be born here. You remember uh, Jesus' conversation with uh, the sly Nicodemus who comes to him at night because he didn't want everybody else to see that he's having this conversation with Jesus. And he's like, man, what are you what are you about? Right? What does Jesus tell Nicodemus in John 3? He's like, man, you have to be born again. Now, did that strike him as weird? How can you be born again? And he's an educated dude, right? He's, he's an educated man talking to someone that he thought was pretty, uh, you know, genius guy. And Jesus tells him, you have to be born again. And that left him confused. But Jesus isn't making it up. This is one of those places where Jesus is getting it from. Look at verse 4. Among those who know me, I mention, now he's going to mention places that are definitely, definitely, definitely not Israel. Uh, these places have been enemies, if anything, of Israel. They're far-off places. They're world powers at the time, but they're not Israel. They're estranged from God. They have nothing to do with uh, Yahweh, the God of Israel. And he says in verse 4, Among those who know me, I mention these places. Rahab is another name for Egypt, just like Zion is another name for Jerusalem. I mention Rahab, or Egypt, Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre with Cush, which was probably Ethiopia, and look what he says. This one was born there, they say. And of Zion it shall be said, this one and that one were born in her. For the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born there. What he's saying is, I'm going to go out in all the world, in all the world, the farthest reaches, the people that you think have the least to do with the city of Zion, and say, you were born there, you were born there, you were born there. And it doesn't say how that's going to happen, except to say God does it. Like, is it possible to change my place of birth? Just like Nicodemus asked Jesus, how is it, how is it possible to be born again? I've already been born. You can't take that back. How can you be born again? And Jesus said, the Spirit of God makes it happen. What does the psalmist say in Psalm 87? God makes it happen. Look at verse 5. This one and that one were born in her, in Zion. How? For the Most High himself will establish her. He's going to make it that kind of city where even if you weren't born in her at first, you can be born in her later. And then he doesn't explain it. <laughs> he kind of leaves it like that. Like, man, somehow, somehow, some way, God is going to make it so that you can be born in the darkest place in the world, farthest from God. You didn't grow up 
hearing about God, you didn't learn about God, you don't know what the Old Testament is, you don't know what Scripture is, you never heard of them, and he can change your birthplace to make it said, you were born in her. How is that possible? I just want to take a couple minutes to explain why Christmas is the answer to that. Why Christmas is the answer to that. First, we need to understand that God always used his physical location of where he was dwelling on the earth to be a picture of a spiritual location. It was always about a picture of a heavenly city, okay? Now, for those of you who are Bible nerds enough to want to take notes and look things up later, we're not going to go there now, but you can go to Hebrews chapter 11, where the author of Hebrews talks about the Old Testament, the people of faith in the Old Testament. You know what was so awesome about them? We're always like, well, in the Old Testament, they didn't know stuff because they didn't have our enlightenment. They didn't have our education. They definitely didn't have the New Testament. Uh, they knew stuff. Because when the author of Hebrews in chapter 11 talks about Abraham, right, the, the, the forefather of the faith, Abraham didn't get the city. Abraham didn't get the temple. He didn't get to approach the temple. He didn't get the Ark of the Covenant. That all stuff was, was far off. But what the author tells us is Abraham wasn't looking for a physical city. He was looking for a heavenly city with no foundations, Hebrews 11. If you read Galatians, by the time you get to 3 going into chapter 4, Paul talks about there's a Jerusalem on the earth, but there's a heavenly Jerusalem. The one that this is a picture of, the real one. And they're not getting that out of the blue. They're getting that from places like Psalm 87. Because the only way that you can be born of Zion is if the real Zion, the true Zion, is a spiritual one. The real Zion, the true Zion, is a heavenly one. And we can never reach it. If you wanted to go to physical Jerusalem, you can go there now. In fact, some of you, let's say maybe one or two of you tonight, afterwards, you might surprise me and go, actually, I was born in Jerusalem. I'd be like, wow, that's really cool. But it still doesn't count. Why? Because the physical place that we call Jerusalem, that you can look up on Google Maps right now, that is a picture of the real thing, and the real thing is the one that counts. Old Testament authors knew this. The New Testament authors knew this. And so when this says, there's going to be a way that the Most High, verse 5, the Most High is going to establish this city in a, in a way that anyone from anywhere can be born in her. And the way he does that is he, he's got to get us born there. But we can't go there. We can't go up to heaven and be like, hey, God, I figured this out, right? We can't get there. This is why we just sang all these songs and read all these passages about how God is like, watch this, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do what man can't do so that heaven and earth can meet in a way. Jesus is born here so we can be born there. Now, here's the essential message of Christianity, the essential message of the gospel. And then we'll look at this last verse and close. Um, God created man to worship him. Man rebelled and worshiped himself instead. And because God has designed us to worship, we can only worship, but we don't worship God, so we worship other things, and we're like these broken beings that aren't doing what we're designed to do. We're estranged from God. And so what God did is he sent Jesus Christ, veiled in flesh, to become humanity, so that he can live a life of perfect worship when we couldn't. And then even though we deserve death, why do we deserve death? God designed us to be in relationship with him. He's the source of life. If we pull ourselves away from him, 
and we're in rebellion with him and we're estranged from him, he's the source of life, we get death. It, it's not God just being vindictive randomly. It's that he is life. He is joy. He is peace. And outside of him, we don't get those things. So what he did is he sent Jesus to live the life we couldn't live. And of course, he would eventually go to the cross to take that wrath and take the death so that we don't have to take that death, that penalty. Lives a life we couldn't live, takes a death we were supposed to take. Why? To bring us into a worshipful relationship again. Right? That's what this whole place is about. When you're reading verse 1 through 3, what's so glorious, what's so awesome about this place called Zion, what's awesome is that it's holy and it's glorious and it's the city of God and it's a place that he uh, establishes. It's a place where he dwells, right? And since we were all kind of kicked out of the garden, we're trying to find our way back to that garden again. And the only way to get there is through Jesus Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection on our behalf. Now, some people that are kind of new to Christianity, they go like, well, that's too easy. I don't have to do anything. Just he took it for me, so I get the benefit. He lived a life that I, that I couldn't live. He took the death, so I don't have to take it. He conquered death with his resurrection, so I don't have to do it. That's really easy. Well, it wasn't easy for him. It was painful. And it was humiliating to be born as a little baby in a stable. And then growing up, facing all that he was going to face on our behalf, it wasn't easy for him. But entrance into the city, to get your name on this register, verse 6, the Lord records as he registers the peoples, this one was born there. I mean, after this life, you face God one day, he's going to check a book. And that book is all over the place. It's in Malachi, it's in Exodus, it's in Ezekiel, it's in the book of Revelation. God keeps a log of the names. You know, this whole Santa Claus list, who's naughty, nice, he's checking it twice, I mean... This is just appropriating stuff that the Bible teaches us about God, erasing God and kind of replacing it with a, a fat white bearded dude, you know, like sort of changing things, but not really, because some of those concepts are still there. What's different is Santa Claus checks who's naughty, who's nice. God doesn't keep a list of who's naughty or who's nice, because everybody's naughty. Some are more naughty than others, but nobody is like, I'm perfectly nice. No one would ever get a gift. God's book is not a register of what you've done. God's book is a register of where you're born. And if you place your faith in Jesus Christ and the work that he's done for atonement, we call it, to make you right with God, to give you a righteousness you couldn't attain yourself, his own righteousness, he puts it on you. For that to happen, you place your faith in Jesus Christ. You say, Lord, I repent. I, I realize I couldn't make it without you. I need Christmas because apart from you coming to me, you initiating this whole thing, I, I'm lost. I, I can't. I would never make it into the book. But if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God puts your name in the book because Jesus covers you. That's what Christmas is about, and that's why Christmas is about hope because we can all look in our past, wish we can expunge things, wish we could take back things we've done, things we've said, but we can't. And we're dried up and we're thirsty. And the only way we can get water of life is through Jesus. I love how the psalm ends, verse 7. This praise and worship scene, singers and dancers are jumping around and they've got tambourines and all the instruments you could think of. And when you read other psalms, the instruments that they'd pull out, 
singers and dancers alike are saying something over and over in this glorious city. And, and they're loving the fact that people are here from Egypt and people are here from Philistia and people are here from every corner of the earth, places they hadn't even discovered yet when this psalm was written. And they say, all my springs are in you. Not spring the season as in autumn and fall and winter, but fountains, water, of life. You know, you can get a while, you can get away with not eating for a while, but water, you're dead pretty quick. And this is saying, everybody who's thirsty, come be born in Zion. These springs are rich and they're far-reaching and they'll get you wherever you're from. You might be sitting there like, he's talking to everybody else, he can't be talking to me because he hasn't seen what I've done. No, I, I haven't. You haven't seen what I've done either. We are all in a place where we will die of thirst if we don't have the living water of Jesus Christ. And this psalm is saying there's going to be a way that these springs from Zion will reach out to everybody and completely change your life, change your birth certificate. It'll be said of you, and of you, and of you. You know where you're really born? Zion, a place where you are at peace with God and you glory in his joy forever. I invite you to that. And if you're confused about any point, grab somebody else here and just say, can you unpack that for me, make that a little clearer for me? We want to tell you about this hope that we celebrate, not just every Christmas, every day, for those of us who are in Christ.